Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Arpel Gary at Partscaster Concierge. Gary offers custom designed Partscaster style builds and bodies catering to upscale DIY builders. Concierge services are included with every project to ensure every build is perfectly tailored. Gary can assist with design concepts, electronic configurations, hardware selections, and everything in between. Now, every DIY builder is working at a different knowledge or skill level, so Gary offers these services on an as-needed basis, so he can be as involved in your build as you need him to be with help sourcing parts or even advice during your finishing or assembly phases. Gary offers flat top, contoured or edge routed bodies for bolt on necks, as well as custom pick guards, necks, pre setups and other parts and services through builders and guitar techs within Gary's ever growing network. So if you're on the hunt for a sick custom parts caster project, check out at Partscaster Concierge on social media or partscasterconcierge.com. We never did, uh, we should have started that whole segment story time with Adam. We talked about last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I have no plan. It's a sweet episode of The Culture Guitarist. My name is All The Way Al. With me as ever is Kind of Constipated Casper. <laughs> and joining us all the way from wonderfully warm California is our dear friend, awesomely Adam Grimm from Satellite Amplifier. Woo! <laughs> hey, I got a button for that. <laughs> How's it going, Adam? Oh, you know, everything's uh, pretty good. It's been a pretty nice day out today to be in Southern California. Nice. Is there any a lot of bad days yeah, was, in Southern California? They don't really have weather, do they? Uh, it, <laughs> it's just gonna... it actually rained yesterday, which we really desperately need, so... We kind of hope for rain every once in a while, but yeah. you know, one day one day is good. There was something about a drought going on in the Southwest. Some kind of 40-year drought or something. Yeah, but, mm. something, something bad, earth, no, no. I haven't, I haven't heard anything about this. This is one of those things that a lot of people don't seem to realize, but Southern California is a desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some we, kind of a drought we, going on. Somehow, with people watering lawns nonstop in Arizona, there's a drought yeah. happening. Huh. I, don't, I don't understand. Oh, I believe it. Arizona. I, I remember when I was a kid in in, in the eighties, uh, the neighborhood we were having a horrible drought then, and people would paint their lawns green. <laughs> <laughs> That's we're, pretty good. We're not at that point yet. That is actually <laughs> more sensical to me than trying to grow grass constantly year round in the desert climate. Well, they do these yeah. things called sin lawn. You ever seen this? They give yeah. it's a it's a synthetic lawn, like fully. It's like carpet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? But instead of a lawnmower, it looks like a lawnmower, but it's a vacuum. You actually push a thing around and it looks like, and it's, but it, so you don't look like an idiot out there with your dirt devil. Right? You know what? I'm for it. Yeah. But you're, so you're wandering around with an electric Honestly, vacuum that looks like a. I hate lawns. Oh, yeah. I, I would, I, I mean, I don't really make a lawn, but I would turn the whole thing up, turn it into a garden. Yeah. They're just annoying to me that, like, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I would rather just let my I would I would let my lawn turn into just a thing of weeds and bushes and whatever the heck grows grows. Yeah, the land can yeah. be used, right? You can grow stuff. Yeah, and I, like since we planted the, we built the garden box last summer and like planted a garden, or it was in the spring, I guess. Man, that was so fulfilling having this yeah, like sixteen by yeah. five chunk of earth to grow stuff in. 
I was like, oh man, I would turn up every every square inch of this lot and turn it into a garden. Yeah, yeah. We got so much food, man. It was crazy. Well, let's uh, let's get into what's been going on this week. Yeah. So you want to go first? Uh, you want me to go first? Uh, you want Adam to go first? I'll go first. I don't you go, go first. first very often. You go first. Um, so this week I did a trade. I did a bunch of things actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I I, I uh, sold some stuff. I made a trade for a Fender Base Breaker 112 cabinet. It was a bit of an ouchy trade. The, mm. I wanted the cabinet. The, the guy was, uh, he's looking to downsize stuff. He's moving back to Vancouver. He's a listener, actually. The same guy I sold my SG Robot Special to. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, he's downsizing, moving back from here to Vancouver. And uh, so I sent him a, a little a picture of all the extra pedals I had and, and what they were. And I said... I could trade you one of these for it. And I didn't really think about it too thoroughly, and that no. was a big mistake. As you often don't. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he came back with a couple that he was interested in, and both of the ones he was interested in, I was like, oh, I don't want to get rid of either of those. But I didn't want to be that jerk who just suddenly pulls the rug out on the deal uh, that I offered. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we came to we came to an agreement, and I <laughs> traded my Spun Loud Blister and Peel, which I was so like, why did I do that? I really love that pedal. I have one. Yeah. Still. And Dan's going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. And go, why did you do that? Now I'm going to have to make you another one. And, uh, I, yeah, so I, I, but I have a base breaker 112 cab, which I'm stoked about. Um, yeah, we're going to have to try it out with this little bad boy right here. Yeah. The Class D from Uncle Amplification. Yeah. Pedal Give that a in go. A, or amp and a pedal. I'm looking forward to trying that. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that so, goes. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring some heads and amps and having a cab again, kicking around the house to try stuff like that out. There's this uh, really sweet amp we're going to talk about soon. Mm-hmm. But I'm really hoping I somehow magically win in the raffle. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's... That's what I've been up to. Oh, and I've been playing my Kronbauer Jazz Box a lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, learning that it it needs to be refret <laughs> pretty well, badly. It's, it's a different animal altogether. It's real different. Yeah. yeah. So do, do you want me to share a little, a little? bit? Sure. Okay. Just so, the differences, I think. Yes, Casper and I were talking about this last night while we were <laughs> playing PUBG online uh, for any of you gamers out there. Um, so this, this Kronbauer Jazz Box, it's kind of a unique beast, right? It's... You know, Kronbauer's are high-end acoustics, and yeah. this is like one of two of these jazz boxes he's made. Maybe one. I don't know. Yeah, it might be only one of one. Um, and he, he gave it the geometry of a, a like an archtop jazz box. So it's it's got the trapeze bridge. It's got the high floating bridge. Yeah. Um, and it's got the neck with a pretty good break angle going on. So it feels like one of his acoustics to hold, to hold on it. to. Yeah. But it's got the strings are in like it's, it's kind of that mini jumbo size too, right? Yeah, so it's the same big, big same body. size as my custom and your yeah. both your Kronbauer's. Yeah. Um. So it's got that acoustic feel, but the strings are an inch and a half off the top because it's got geometry like a jazz box. Yeah, yeah. And so I just can't wrap my head around that because I'm so not used to it. So I keep punching the side of the low E string essentially <laughs> as I'm strumming and. Uh, I did improve the brushing my finger on the knob coming out of the pickguard situation by simply removing the knob. Um, but it's I'm still finding it hard to hard to play it, not because there's any flaw in the guitar, but just because my when I feel that familiar Kronbauer acoustic feel, uh, I'm expecting the strings to be in a completely different place. Yeah. 
Um, so it's not like the guitar is built poor. I mean, it's built the opposite of poorly. This is one of the most, you know, it's a Kronbauer. It's one of the most high-end guitars you can possibly put your meat paws on. Meat paws? I guess so. Meat hooks. Meat hooks. Grubby paws. Grubby paws. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to talk. Why do I have a podcast? Um, so, so it's, you know, it's a stupidly awesome guitar. Um, but with geometry that is just absolutely foreign to me. And then on top of that, Trevor has been playing this thing as his personal guitar for the last 15 years. Yeah. And he's played the daylights out of it. (laughs) And he was making acoustics all day, every day for forever. Uh, so the last thing, and he, so I I understand this because I was a painter for a long time. The last thing I was going to do is come home and paint my house. Yeah. 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 So my wife was always like, I was a mechanic. Same thing. Yeah. (laughs) There's two types of tradespeoples. Yeah. Ones that come home and their stuff is better than anything they do all day. Or theirs is the most neglected because they just don't want to do it when yeah. they get home. I would, You know, you and I were that second type. So Trevor's also that second type. So his guitar has the flattest, most played out frets of any guitar I've ever had in my life. Um, and they and I didn't know frets did this because any guitar that's ever come close to this level of played out and, and worn down frets that I've ever touched has gotten a refret long before this. But he's played them so much and squished down the frets so much that the sides have squished outwards. Um, you know, if you squish it like a... If you take a gummy candy or something and you squish it down, it's it's not just getting flatter. It's also pushing the sides outwards, and that's what happened to these frets. So it's actually kind of hard to play because as you slide around, my fingertips and fingernails will catch on these overhanging squished-out frets that are... <laughs> in just a strange position. Um, so I love the guitar, the tonality of it. This thing is loud, mm-hmm. which I was not expecting because it has no sound hole. It just has a couple of F-holes on the side. Um, but it's it's louder acoustically than your fire uh, guitar that I've been, the acoustic yeah. I've been borrowing. Um, and I think that's probably to do with the fact that it's maple sides and back and a cedar top. Boom. Is it a cedar top? I think so. Might be spruce because jazz box. Mm. Spruce but, is pretty uh, subdued, you know. I th- or not spruce. Uh, um, cedar gets like really subdued tone. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's darker than than I would expect spruce to to be. But I, I don't know. I don't. I truthfully, I don't know what it is. It could be fur. <laughs> um, I have no idea. Uh, I don't think Trevor even remembers anymore. Um, the sides are are obviously maple because it's the flamiest maple I've ever seen in my life. Yep. Um, but yeah, it needs a refret to be playable smoother. So anyway, that's me. Uh, you know, what about you, Adam? Oh boy. Uh, I haven't gotten any new guitars this week. <laughs> it's been a while since I actually got a new guitar. Uh, I got a fuzz pedal. I got a, a, a shallower fuzz wall. That was pretty good. Probably the only exciting new gear. Hey, that's something. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I, I like really old fuzz walls that are really obnoxious. So it's whenever one pops up that's amusing that I don't have and haven't seen, I kind of gravitate towards it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And how 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 vast <laughs> is the collection now? Uh, the collection is actually not as vast as some people might mm-hmm. think. I'm not a huge pedal guy, so it's because I'm you know I'm I'm not in a band. So anytime I'm playing with a pedal, it's just for my own amusement. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to go towards things that just make me happy rather than trying to fit into songs of stuff. Like I don't, uh, 
you know, and I tend to like things that are very extreme in what they do uh, and are not subtle. So I think I've got probably, I mean, I could count them, but a uh, hundred-ish pedals. I don't know. Is that a lot? Yeah, Wait it's a, a few. No, that's yeah, right. that's a lot, dude. <laughs> I, I'm sure these sound horrible when listening to, to me on the back end. I actually forgot. I also have one of every earthquake or pedal ever made. So I think it's actually more like <laughs> closer to two. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I have a hundred earthquake or pedals, but I've got a lot. Is that a lot? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a lot. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Including the collection that is actually owned by the podcast. I, I probably am sitting at maybe, maybe 40 pedals. Well, that's even a lot. I, I don't know. I, I've never counted them to figure out how many pedals I have. I know I've got some that are alone, but I can I can talk and walk at the same time. Because of that. <laughs> I was wondering what that was. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you got all muffly when you did it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry. That was actually me putting my hand right over the microphone as I pulled my Perfect. phone up. Perfect podcast <laughs> protocol. Yep, excellent. Yep. excellent. Yep. This is actually how it's done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I figure most of them are. So you say it's two, four, three. 16, I have, uh, well, that's 20 times five just on this rack. And then, <laughs> and, and, six, eight, nine. Uh, there's probably uh, probably closer to 50 Earthquaker pedals. And then there's, yeah, I've got at least 200 pedals. I've got, I've got more than 200 pedals. Dude, that's more than like a lot of music shops. I think, uh, yeah, you've got a lot <laughs> yeah, of pedals. Yeah, but, but also, like, how many guitars do you have? That's not a fair question. Uh, I think it's a fair question. Six or seven, maybe? Uh, total? So then your, pe- your pedal-to-guitar ratio is great. Yeah, if you had 200. Yeah, well, I, I, I have 96 guitars. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, two pedals per guitar. That's a great That's a great, that's, that's a great that's ratio. A, that actually is I a love great. that ratio. You I like have given me something to aspire to, sir. That is a good yeah. ratio. It isn't. That would make me feel less guilty about either number, right? But it's only one. It's only two pedals per guitar. <laughs> like that's perfect ratio. I, you know, if I were gonna be in a, a house house, I would probably go nuts and start amassing a collection. Our plan is eventually to build a tiny house, and so I'm gonna actually probably have to get rid of more stuff still. And I have a pretty minimal collection by. Mm. By a lot no. of standards. Here's what you do: you get a tiny house to live in, then you get an industrial spot for all of your gear. That's and that you can <laughs> that you can wheel the tiny house into it in the winter time. Ah, okay, I see. What I have uh, my house. I think I have, not including my kids' guitars. I think I only have two guitars in my house. <laughs> so, well, but I mean, you got a lot of reasons you can justify a vast guitar collection, like. Like, oh, no, I, don't. I, just make I it bought up. a new guitar today, but well, you have 96 already. Yeah, well, you know, Stone Gossard's coming over and we're going to, yeah, I needed this to try out with some amps with him. So I love my, I love my wife. Coming, I like, told my wife about guitars I was buying. She would just get so bored and not talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. My wife does that too, actually. <laughs> yeah. She loves me enough to try. Yeah. She puts in some effort still to pretend to be interested, but she's. You, we were out in front of the house the other night. Well, I can't remember why you guys pulled up. You pulled up for something. We were 
finally taking my crap out of your basement. Oh, was that was that it? Yeah, it must have been. <laughs> no, you were picking up guitars and amps and stuff. Yeah. And uh, we're sitting in the front seat, and you had said something about a guitar, maybe the SG that we missed or something like that, or I can't remember. There was something specific. It was exciting to you and I. Yeah. And she legitimately put a, like, oh, my God, that's awesome, like, show on, like, face on. I don't know if it was legit. It kind of seemed legit, but <laughs> it was almost she, like. She is, she's happy when I'm happy about stuff. She's yeah. excited when I'm excited about stuff. Does she that's care? A good about way to be. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's, and I try to be that like that for her too. Does she care about the guitar? No. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's over that stuff. <laughs> is she happy my, my for wife, me? Yeah. My wife's a photographer. I have no idea anything about photography at all. She loves all that stuff. Cameras, F-stops, lenses. No idea. But I'm happy that she's happy. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. that's what matters. Yeah. Awesome. Adam's a, a gear glutton, we've established. <laughs> What's new with you, Casper? I Oh, I actually also did some trading this week. You did. Um... Uh, in, in the midst of that, uh, I'll get into it in a sec, but I got to drive out to, um, visit with Ryan Clark at, uh, at, uh, Dr. Scientist and drop yeah. off his EGC. I, I noticed that 97 pound electrical guitar company baritone is gone. It Thank is. the Lord. Yeah. I was getting worried that I was going to wreck it, but I mean, how do you wreck an all aluminum guitar? I don't know, man. That yeah. thing could be a boat paddle and it'd still come out just fine. Like yeah. you, you might have to, uh, you know what? No, you, I've it seen depends guitars, on whether you took it in the ocean or in the lake. I've seen guitars get dunked before, and the worst thing that happens to them is the wood and stuff goes out. The electronics yeah. usually dry out okay. Yeah. So that was cool, and we got to visit for like an hour while I was waiting to connect with the dude for this trade that I made. And uh, and yeah, it was a lot of fun, and we and we did up a a trade because you know Ryan likes to trade, mm. so uh, he wants one of these pedals that I build. And we're gonna trade for a Fraz Dazzler. There you go. So it's the only Doctor Scientist pedal I actually don't own. Yeah. <laughs> well, of their current. Yeah. Their current catalog. But yeah, that was pretty cool. So, anyways, the you trade. Got some Doctor though. Scientists in your collection, there, Adam. Uh, I do not currently. No. Oh, there, oh. You, there you go. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send Ryan your way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you right. could use a satellite right. amp. Right. <laughs> um. So this uh, trade that I did, I and I was a little bit like hesitant about it because in the same regard you were going, I don't really want to trade my spun loud and and do that, and I'm like, I don't really want to trade off my Katana fifty, you know. <laughs> but I got a lead on this guy that was selling or selling or trade a 1993 um, Fender Deville 410, and I was like, that's a pretty killer amp. I'm gonna see if I can tra- offer any trades because I had stuff that I just don't use you know the Katana 50 not being one of those things but just as a great like test platform and nice quiet I can play it at night and nobody doesn't hassle anybody mm-hmm. um, good trade for uh... <laughs> yeah I mean it causes... this is a good quiet test platform oh totally yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah we'll get into what happened when I plugged it in the first time <laughs> so uh Anyhow, uh, give the guy the option. He's like, well, what do you have for this or that? And it was like, well, tell me what you're looking for, obviously, and, and then I'll tell you if I can fulfill the trade. And so he's like, smaller amps or pedals and things like that. I was like, okay, so I take a shot. I said I got a Katana 50 and a Classic 30, and I got some pedals. Took a picture of everything. And he actually honed in on the Katana 50 right away. Um, my RC30 looper that hasn't been touched in three years. 
and a couple of other boss pedals, my reverb and my DD3. And when he said DD3, I told him, to, no, that's not on the table, sorry, because I like that pedal. And um, so we ended up settling on the Katana 50, which I think I paid 200 bucks for. The RC30, I did pay full retail, so just about 400 and something Canadian. And then um, the RV5, I was a little bit upset about that one, but I don't really play it. And it was a really wonderful gift from my friend Al, and I ended up trading it, so that kind of made me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I got a good deal um, on the on the DeVille. Uh, it is a beast of an amp. It weighs a metric ton. It is loud, like so loud on two, it's unusable in this room. You realize who our guest is, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. But and I'm sure that Adam probably has a pair of these in his in his test room. But they're uh, it, it's loud for for what I've ever played before. It's the loudest thing I've ever touched. But really, really nice. I like it. Loud is good. It's awesome, buddy. Yeah, it's got so much headroom. Like it's it's clean. It's really clean. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. I, ne- I never understood what people say when they say Fender clean because I've never had anything big. The only Fender a tube amp I ever had was the Pro Pro Junior, and that has no headroom at all. Like, you no. turn that thing up past one, and it's breaking up. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, I love that amp. It's great. <laughs> the Pro Junior? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there, it was a fantastic little amp, but I, I did a trade on that one for some pedal building gear, and I think I got a good deal. And the lady I traded to was super happy with it. So, yeah, uh, I've, I've suddenly realized as I'm listening to you guys talk about these trades you're doing, and I know I do the same thing. It, I, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember Pogs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got oh a Pog God. story for you. But I got, yeah, I got pogs. a Pog story, go, go too. Go for it. Tell, tell. It, it really sounds like that's what we're talking about trading. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this I've actually talked about this Pog on the show before, but when I was about 12, my best friend Chuck and I, Went down to a, a, the, a collectible shop that sold hockey cards and comics and all that kind of stuff. And this is in the height of the Pog craze. So, of course, he has a whole crap load of Pogs in there as well. And then the display case with all the really cool stuff. Yeah. He had some rare slammers. He had some rare cards. He had some rare other stuff. And right in the middle of this case, there is this slammer. And it's a Pog OJ Simpson in the slammer slammer. So it's got a little <gasps> engraving of OJ Simpson behind, behind bars. bars. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And I thought at the time, this is my first time in, in my life brushing up against that beautiful mix of like hobby collectibles and like pop culture zeitgeist coming together into one thing. I thought it was the funniest, coolest thing. I was like, he's in the slammer and it's a slammer. Oh my God, my brain is exploding. And you were like 10. I, uh, 12. Yeah. Young kid. You know, yeah. this is the, that. And so my whole life, I've remembered this thing. And I've told people about it like, oh, once I found that, you remember Pogs? Yeah, once I found the Slammer. It's on Facebook Marketplace here in Vernon right now. Somebody's selling one. The lady thinks it's a medallion. <laughs> she thinks it's some kind of a collectible medallion. That's what she got. It's a, but it's the it's the Pog Slammer. I, I took pictures of it because I was so excited to see one again. I'm not gonna buy it because I'm not gonna spend fifty bucks on the sun <laughs> like that. 
But, oh, and it turns out, so I, I looked these things up. I was confirming that it was the, the slammer that I remembered from my youth. Yeah. I Googled it. And these things are all over eBay for like 20 bucks. So I might actually buy one from there just to be stupid. That is frivolous. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and? And? <laughs> Where's the problem? <laughs> so, but yeah, so I, I found one 30 years later. Crazy. I'm, I'm so excited by it. I woke my wife up at like 11 o'clock. She was asleep. Again. I, I don't know why she keeps you around. I don't know either, man. I, every day I display new arrays of the color wheel of stupid to her. She keeps me around. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> I was very excited. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Adam. I, I, had a, uh, right. I was the brought Pogs into the conversation. That's just yeah. true. I, I had a, a quick comment to my, my son just got his driver's license. Uh, my my eldest boy, he got his license, and we went and insured his car. And he's been like going out to my parents' place in Armstrong and like detailing it and like you know degriming it from being <laughs> parked for a year and a half. And uh, he found this like in the back of it's a, it's a two thousand Volkswagen Golf. And it's got this like little like flip open uh, apparatus between the two seats on the floor. And he's like, "What the heck is this?" And I look at it, and inside it has a red cup. Well, Volkswagen makes their the red cups in their Volt in their is an ashtray. It's a removable right. thing that you can dump out. But this thing it was it was completely clean. He had no idea what it was. He's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Oh, dude, man! Like you could totally put like your Pogs and your Yu Gi Oh cards in there." And all I got back was a res- on the response to the text was, "All right, boomer." I'm like, "Oh man, come on! You're not even a boomer." I know he's just he loves calling me a boomer, even though I'm like. You're definitely, technically I'm, a millennial. I'm definitely a millennial. <laughs> Just on the very, very start of a millennial. But yeah, it's so funny. He's like, okay, boomer. It's like, Dude, it's an ashtray. <laughs> I guess, yeah, he wouldn't. because nope. uh, Smoking's what? been so out of fad for so long that yeah. cars don't even come with ashtrays anymore. I think the, the last time I saw a car with an ashtray was probably an early 2000s car. Yep. My old Jetta had a, a tape deck. Oh, I tried to take a picture of it, but I saw your old car. Really? Driving around downtown. So you got the rooftopper on it? Uh, just, yeah, yep. I did. <laughs> so I was, I actually, my wife has high anxiety, yeah. and so she married the perfect person because I'm just a genius. <laughs> and uh, I never exclaimed things with excitement for no reason whatsoever and set off her anxiety at all. So yep. this is great. She's not going to die early of stress because of me. Uh, it's not going to, you know. Anyways. I saw your old car driving around, and I immediately went, "Oh my God, it's Iron Man!" Because <laughs> you know your car was red and gold. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my poor wife was just like, because ah! all she hears is me shout, "Oh my God!" And we're driving, and she thinks she's about to die in a traffic accident. Yeah. Well, we we just had an experience like, man, we're totally off topic. Yeah. We just had an experience like, I we I hit two deer in my car on a nice leisurely drive through the wilderness, which a week and a half. I'm hours. still impressed by. Hmm. I two. mean, most people hit one. Oh man, you well, there hit was, two and nearly got a third. There was almost three. Yeah, it was close. Um, anyways, it was super tragic. But like the response that Steph had at the time was very, um, exclamative. Is that a word? She was like very like, oh my god, wow, look out, right? And we hit, and we were. She's gonna hate this, but we were driving through a parking lot, and I was driving her car, and I came up to a speed bump more quickly than she would like. 
and had exactly that same reaction. So I thought I was about to run over a pedestrian or something. Like I thought there was something really bad going to happen. Oh, like she reacted. She reacted well. <laughs> very like, watch out for that speed bump, but it didn't get a watch out for that speed bump. It was a, oh my God. It was like, it's, I, I immediately panicked and was like, what's going on? Like, oh my God, have I run over a child? But it, it wasn't Ooh. that. It was just a, yeah, just a speed bump. The overpopulated anyway. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was it was funny. You know how easily people replace themselves? It's so <laughs> they do it by accident all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Running over one's no big deal. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Anyways, let's should we should we really get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Get on topic. I think we should probably um take a little care of a little housekeeping first. Mm-hmm. And do something we should have done last week. Yeah, you want to do that? Let's get it out of the way. Okay. Um, you know. With a little, let's do some ceremony and and uh, you know. All right, hold it up to the altar. We're gonna delay you just a moment longer, Adam. All right, that's fine. Okay, so um, we owe as you as long as involves giving stuff to other people. Yeah, uh, we we um, we owe our listeners a, a small apology. Although I think I already apologized on our social media, but dude, you did that apology on social media, and I was like. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, we were supposed to do this pedal draw last week, um, celebrating our 100th episode, which is now almost two months ago. Um, six weeks, six weeks ago, as of people hearing this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're doing it this week. So, Casper, uh, you got the random number generator got it. Uh, fired up? Yep. Okay. I think I do. I never run one of these before. All right, well, <laughs> got the minimums, got the maximums. I'm going to hit the generate button. Okay. Okay, ready? Yep. Drum roll, please. I don't have a drum Don't, don't do a drum roll. Yeah. Here we go. 17. 17. Oh, I'm a genius. I have to count all these. I didn't write numbers beside them. Isn't that the point of the numbers? Yeah, shut up. Counting. Thank you. No way. Let me double check. I uh, I gotta I gotta recount because uh, I I want to. <laughs> Riveting stuff. Number seventeen <laughs> is Apollo Suns. Nice. You remember who that? Yeah, is? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I was like, no way. That's rad. That's there it is right there. All sons. Here, let's see. Let me see the phone. <laughs> uh, Talk so much yourself. If I've miscounted and you have to double check and double <laughs> that'd be embarrassing on air. See now I'm now I'm are you, you doing the same thing as me? Well, some because you you filled out their their full um, Instagram Instagram handles, handles yeah. as one word. They've got some of them have underlines and some of them don't, and it's yeah, confusing. It's, it's it's a whole mess. I know. Yeah, man. Okay. Cool. Well, there we go. I'm going to assume that was Ed that did that. It's probably Ed. So that's kind of funny. 
I love it. Wow. To talk about a, like a, a, a captain of tone. There you go. Ed is actually uh, was a past guest. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so please trust us. We we did actually do this properly. Um, yeah. Wow. Ed from Apollo Suns. How about that? Or maybe they can. Ha- the band can have the the pedals, and they can fight amongst them. I don't. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be more fun. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, man. Congratulations, Ed. All right. Man, I didn't I, I forgot to bring a water down with me. I meant to grab one when I got out of the van, but I didn't. Mm. Um so, Adam. Don't you guys have like an intern that can go get you a beverage? My intern is named Casper and he's gotten a little stubborn about the water thing, so I've abused it a couple of times. Is is Steph home? She's napping. Okay, I'm not gonna text her then. No, you definitely should not text my partner to bring you water. You just had a drink of water. What's tiny, wrong with well, you? It's a tiny drink. I'm going to want more. Mm. Um, then you're going to need a potty break. <laughs> there's uh, there's some uh, nail polish remover. Some nail polish remover. I'll just drink that. This podcast will get real interesting real fast. Um, Adam, you've had a ton going on, man. There's a ton to talk about. I don't really know where to start here. But, well, uh, let's, you know, let, I, I have all kinds of things that have happened to me in the last, oh, I don't know, yeah. three years or so. Something's well, been happening in the world. Last we spoke to you was October of 2020. Has it been almost two years? Yeah. Well, no, a year, a year and a half. A year and a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's been over a year. Wow. So we can we can just dabble a tiny bit on where we left off with you. If well, you, so, if well, you I mean, if, 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 if you want to start right in there, that is right towards the end uh we had about a month left of the uh, lawsuit that was fun the we gibson, can go straight the into gibson that fun we, we can go right into piss and gibson uh, by the way hello <laughs> to the gibson lawyers that are listening thank you very much for joining us once again <laughs> you think they're still listening in on everything oh yeah yeah oh yeah that's, they get paid to I get, I imagine know. getting paid 1200 bucks an hour to listen to me talk <laughs> i guess Man, if we had twelve hundred dollars for every hour we spent on the on the podcast, like talking on the podcast, we have a lot of money. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's a bummer about this is I actually do like a lot of Gibson guitars. I, I'm not saying that and I don't I've, like I, like I, one I, of my favorite guitars <laughs> is a Gibson guitar. I've now. been a part of so many conversations about Gibson and their litigiousness, jackassy lawyers. Oh, stuff. you said a swear. I did, yeah, good. You have to beep it. Uh, I don't believe jackass is actually a swear word because it's an animal. All right. I missed, um, we're walking a line there. It's not like you said. <laughs> <laughs> 33 right. minutes. You might want to write down the timestamp there, Casper. <laughs> I'm going to start That's... a list. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So that was where we left off. So, I mean, if you want to, if you so, don't so have to talk about that, so, uh, we can talk about animal stuff. For whatever it's worth, I like old Gibson guitars. I think old Gibson guitars are phenomenal. They made some of the greatest uh, manufactured guitars ever. You know, the Gibson that is Gibson Brands Incorporated, which is the company that sued me, which for anybody that wasn't paying attention, uh, we started remaking uh, the Epiphone Coronet, except it wasn't Epiphone, it was satellite, uh, and we did a better job of it. And they had stopped, Gibson had given up the, never had the trademark. There's a bunch of backwards trademark law, but the very fast thing is that if you make a product and you're the first person to use that name in that area of commerce, such as musical instruments, you have the first right of the name for 
using it as basically you get a de facto kind of trademark for it, which Epiphone got in the late 1920s with a archtop guitar called the Coronet, which they stopped making after a couple of years. Then they sold Epiphone to Gibson. So Gibson never had an actual rightful, uh, legitimate claim to the Coronet name. In 1958, Gibson uh, was trying to find a solid body guitar for Epiphone, which is who they had acquired, and they put out the Coronet. They did it all the way up until 1999, and then they ceased production. And then about uh, now it's seven years ago, uh, I registered for the trademark, got the first trademark for it, the federal registered one, and we started making Coronets. Uh, and I'm extremely proud of what we made. They're phenomenal guitars. Uh, and, you know, we, the attention to detail, the people that I've involved in doing it, you know, we made sure that they would stand up to any vintage guitar that was out there and, and hold its own. And it does. Um, yeah, your roster yeah. with uh, those things mm-hmm. in their hands is fast. Yeah, it's it, a pretty it, cool list. It's lovely. Yeah, and I'm very proud of that. And, and you know, we've... You know, I've prided myself. I don't give gear away. There's nobody. I don't give gear to players to play stuff just because I want their name on my list. No, nobody we know. That, I say play no. my stuff. <laughs> I think like you guys know here, that, there. but I don't know if all of your listeners know that. I'm trying yeah. to make sure that your listeners are familiar with why I do these things. Because there are a lot of companies in the world. Gibson is one of them that will pay an artist and go, "Oh, yeah, you're that guy in Aerosmith. We'll pay you this much money if you have our guitar on one of your songs on the tour." And they do that, and they get paid to do it. And and Joe Perry will come out and say, this is the greatest guitar I've ever played. Even though we know how many guitars Joe Perry has and how many better guitars he has, but he will say that because he's paid. I can't afford to pay people to tell them tell me that I'm pretty. <laughs> it's always so, driven me a bit nuts yeah. that these brands, these giant, giant brands will pay people, whether it be a sports hero or a Slash or whoever. Right. Um, they'll go out and they'll pay these huge people that can afford the thing 100,000 times over. And that's yeah. the person that they'll pay and give the free thing to, as opposed to the, you know, the up and coming sports player or artist or whoever that's mm-hmm. doing really cool stuff, but struggling <laughs> yeah. and they need all the help yeah. they can get. That's the, that's yeah. the artist they don't help. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we were making the guitars and, and that year uh, we actually showed the guitars off at NAMM. Gibson was there. They came down and told us what a great job we did. Some of their executives, their lawyers came down. They took pictures. They were very congratulatory. And I was expecting, uh, you know, a cease and desist letter if one was coming then. Because Gibson's known for suing people. This is not anything new. Yeah. And it never came. And so years went by. And, you know, it was about four or five years of doing this. Uh, and, you know, very public. We had reviews in magazines. You know, we have, obviously we have a bunch of people playing them. Uh, and then we, out of the blue, we got a, a letter saying that Gibson was uh, suing us in the test, which is the base of the trademark law court system, and, and that they were suing us over the, the coronet name. And went, huh, well, we have this. We're not in the wrong in this. Uh, and I think this is just my own personal opinion, uh, is that Gibson, their attorneys will sue people expecting them to not be able to fight back. Mm-hmm. And so they sent, they put out the lawsuit, and they expect you just to cave instantly because you don't have the money to fight them or 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 whatever else. And so we came back. I talked to my attorney, and you know he said we're in the right. So it's it's really a matter of you know how how long do you want to like be in this, and and what do you want to do? And I said I want to fight. He said great. So do I. So we did. So we responded. 
and we've been uh, actually the first thing we did is we wrote them a letter. Uh, uh, whatever you communicate and all this communication is is all through lawyers, so that in theory their lawyers were supposed to have shown the Gibson executives. I have no idea if they did or they didn't. Uh, you know, it's a very much of a wall from what we are being. Everything that I know is what we've been told from their attorneys. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we got, uh, we wrote him a letter and said, Hey, this is, uh, could have been solved very easily and we still can. If you want, we'll sell you the trademark. You know, we don't have, you don't have to sue us. We, we, we can do this very amicably. You know, I, I, if you guys are going to continue this line and want this, and I would, you know, I, I would honor Gibson's history and I'll sell you the trademark. And, you know, uh, part of it, in my opinion, is is that we built a good following of coronets because of what we were doing and got people interested in them again. And Gibson saw that as a money-making thing. Uh, I since found, after a lot of this, uh, well, we found out in the midst of all of this, they had a warehouse filled with coronets in there in Nashville. They'd, had, they'd, they'd made the guitars. So they made all the guitars, but they couldn't sell the guitars because we owned the trademark. Well, we being me. Huh. Uh, and so they, you know, they came after me and uh, really aggressively. Uh, and we went back and forth uh, and we sent them an offer and said, hey, listen, you know, we'll sell it. And um, they basically said, all right, well, we're willing to talk about a settlement and, and, and to do that. Uh, what do you want? And we sent them an offer. Uh, and they wrote back and said, we think that's too much. Said, all right, we'll give us an offer. And at this point, they put up a big thing in the news about what a, uh, they put up a press release that went to like 2,500 different websites and magazines, uh, basically saying that I was stealing their intellectual property and that I was a profiteer. <laughs> I don't know. What I really need to, I, I actually have it somewhere. I really need to print it out and make a poster so I can see it uh, and remember it. Maybe put it on pick cards. Oh, well, yeah, I do have the pick card of the original lawsuit that's sitting on the coronet right in front of me. Um, <laughs> it's, that's, I do love that. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, they came back and said, you know, uh, uh, our offer to you is that you stop using it and we won't sue you again. And, I, and you know, I talked to my attorney and he's like, we're just not even going to respond to that. Cause that's not even really an offer. That's just, that's just, um, uh, crappy. Sorry. I had to find the right word there. Um, and then we, uh, you know, went back and forth and, and in the, uh, a lawsuit, you go through what's called discovery where you send each other questions and you answer back and forth. Uh, and they sent us 86 questions, and I answered 84. We sent them 80-something, and they replied to two. Uh, and the thing about uh, copyright law is the judges don't like that. The judges, if you bring a lawsuit to somebody, you have to have the facts to back it up, and they don't they don't screw around. The, the trademark attorneys are, you know, they're not there for grandstanding. They don't like any of that stuff. If, yeah. if you, you give us your legit stuff and your complaint, and we're going to get through this and be done. I can't say so trademark it, law is like super glamorous either. Like, no, yeah, yeah it, it, it's relatically boring to be honest, but it, it, uh, I'm glad that we have some of it for the protection it offers. Yeah. Uh, and so we filed actually an ethics complaint against their attorneys uh, for lying about something. And then we also uh, filed to dismiss the case because they weren't bringing anything and we were going to get the dismissal. Uh, and then on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, uh, we got notification that they were filing a second lawsuit that was going to be um, basically for personal damages of my stealing of their intellectual property. And so I called my attorney. Well, he, we were talking about it in the email, and then I called him, and, and he basically said that, all right, well, so this is the second lawsuit, and this is 
corporate warfare is what they're doing. I said, well, what's that mean? He said, well, this is just to bankrupt you. It's not a win or lose loss. It's just to run you out of money. And they will drag it out and raise your costs until you have no money and you have to give up. I said, all right, well, what's that mean? He said, well, that means that uh, if we don't give up the trademark by Tuesday morning at 8, 8, 8, uh, 8 a.m., you're in. And once you're in, they get damages when you lose. If you walk away, they get damages. They will get money out of you at any point after Tuesday at 8 a.m. I said, all right, well, uh, what, do you, what do we do then? I was like, well. Uh, can, I, can, I, I, can I ask a question here? And yeah. I know you're not a lawyer, but um, how is it that they were guaranteed to get money out of you Unless you lost. Because, because the way that the lawsuits go, if you're suing, depending on how, what court system you're suing, they were going to sue me in federal court, which was going to be the second lawsuit. So that's not in the trademark lawsuit. So, like, I can say, um, uh, you know, I don't like that Casper didn't buy me a O.J. Simpson pog slammer, and I'm going to sue him for it if you lived in the United States. I can legally file a suit against you. But most judges will see that and go, there's nothing to that. I can dismiss that and, we, and we're done. With this, when, when uh, Gibson was doing this, it's more of a personal lawsuit rather than an intellectual property lawsuit. Mm. And big companies do this all the time to, to shut down small things. It's happened. It, there were four other lawsuits that I knew of that were going on, including uh, Collings was getting sued over the 335. Um, uh, it, it, Gibson's lawyers are very busy. It's what keeps them getting paid. Uh, and so he said, "Well, it, you know, I think what we should do is give up the law, give up the, the trademark on Monday, uh, and we walk away from it. And that's the that's the smartest thing to do financially." And I said, "All right." And since they had made the offer before of. Uh, if we give it up, they won't sue you ever again. We're going to keep that so that if they ever do sue you again, we have legal proof that they can't. Yeah. So we never came to an agreement with Gibson of anything formal from that point on. I, we just filed and we gave up the, the, the trademark. I've, uh, we never heard anything from them. You know, one of the things that's really interesting is that from a legal standpoint, uh, I never got a cease and desist from Gibson which is one of the first things they should have done. Mm. And I'm surprised I haven't gotten one yet. Cause if it was, well, it, it, yeah, it's, it's like you hear that fellas, you drop the ball. You better get that cease and desist out. At this point, it's a formality. <laughs> yeah, well, this so is one of those things that let's see if the lawyers are paying attention. So it's really a formality of I'm not using the coronet name in anything, but there's nothing legally binding to get me to not use it right now. Hmm. Because Gibson, the coronets that Gibson made and sold were before I gave up the trademark. I could sue them for it for that time period, but I don't have the money to, and they would win. I mean, they're a $500 million company. Um, they haven't made any more coronets since I gave it up. So legally, they're not using the trademark. You can't buy a trademark or get a trademark and not put product out and keep the trademark. Um, so, so that, all right. I for thought, instance, I thought so if I decided, was a regular Epiphone model at this point. Well, but the timing of things is, is the only time that Gibson was selling them was when I owned the trademark. Gibson has not been manufacturing any more of those guitars. If you look for those guitars right now, everybody's waiting for stock because they don't have them. 
So with with trademark law, there's a very there's a very uh, time based system. If I decide that I want to start up and make a new um, you know uh, uh, you know a new guitar pedal and call it the you know the we'll just say we'll call it the no I'm not going to call it that that's mean uh, well we'll just call it the, the 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 lime green pedal for lack of anything else. If I go and file for the trademark of the lime green pedal right now, I have to put product out and sell it within six months. If I don't have marketable from when I filed that I'm actually making and putting out and shipping during that time period to that six months, I can lose that trademark. Anybody else that is listening and wants to go fight Gibson <laughs> would go take the Coronet trademark from them right now because they didn't manufacture any guitars in that time period that are seeable for sale. My attorney watches this just to see if they're doing it because of some stuff that they said that I'm not entirely allowed to elaborate on of why we filed the ethics complaint against them. They were giving us numbers of what they said they were selling that were absolutely impossible. And they were lying to the court about it. Mm. There's a really funny opportunity for Fender guitars here. (laughs) I I tried to get Fender to put out a double-cut Telecaster and call it a coronet before I gave up the suit. <laughs> I, I just, that just puts a smile on my face. They have the money to fight something <laughs> like that. It'd be really humorous from a spectator thing, but it's... well, it, it is, but the, the, uh, you know, the guys at Fender are all great. Love all those people. The people I know that work, there are all wonderful people. Uh, they were, did the smart thing and went, that's really funny, but our lawyers will tell us not to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure from a, from any kind of mature standpoint, it's it's definitely <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yes. But just Absolutely. for me and, and my my brain always goes, what's funniest for Al? <laughs> that would be the funniest thing for me. So that's, oh, that's I thought about giving it to Dean. I thought about doing all kinds Ooh. of things that would just be great. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at, the, at that point, it would, oh, that would be, That'd be tough, man. It's trying to find another player to to take on the battle, you know. Yes, finding somebody with more money that was willing to do it, yeah. and and at that point, my attorney was really was very much of really like back off a little bit. Like, let's not have them keep suing us. But yeah, all right. It makes me wish fine. I was a billionaire. <laughs> uh. Well. It, you know, also, so for anybody that is out there that wants to look up these things, you can go to the United States Patent and Trademark Office website, USPTO, and they have something called the TESS search. So it's the trademark electronic something search. So you can actually go and search people's uh, trademarks of what they own, what's alive, what's dead. Dead means it was used and it's no longer in service or somebody gave it up. And you can go by, you can look up Gibson Brands Incorporated, what they own for trademarks. You'd be surprised at what they don't own. You'd probably be surprised at what they do own. And that there's a lot of models that they have put out that they still don't own the trademark on. Hmm. Which makes no sense. Yeah. I think that, uh, oh, oh, well. Gibson owns the word dot as a trademark. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... I if Gibson more. were to ever try and fight someone, like let's say they went to, oh, I don't know, uh, Paul Reed Smith and said, you can't use the word dot to describe the inlays on your guitar. 
Paul Reed Smith has the money and would fight them back. Yeah. But you know, uh, uh, you know, Marvin Guitars might not have the money. He might. Keith's a good guy. He might have the money to fight Gibson. But and I'm just using him because he's a friend and would understand all this. Um, if he were to say he was making guitar with a dot neck, Gibson could send him a cease and desist, and they've got the stuff to back it up because they think that he wouldn't be able to fight them back. And thank you all for joining this um, legal TED talk. <laughs> no, I'm just, my brain is just spinning. Yeah, like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just, to... I'm absorbing here. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, wow. a lot of this is, so when we talk about, when I talk about guitar manufacturer or amplifier or pedal or anything else, and you're talking about some, some pedals that you guys were, were, were discussing earlier, it's a great thing. There's two different levels and what they do are different. Ender Gibson, uh, Paul Reed Smith, Ampeg, Marshall, Vox, Ampeg, those are all big corporations. They're all going to work. Some of them are going to be better than others, but they're all going to be corporations, and their, jo their job is to make money. It's the basic business tenant of corporations, as opposed to the small guys. So, you know, if we talk about me, uh, you know, Marvin, who's lovely, uh, Sam over at uh, Cardinal Redbird, um, at M-Tone, uh, Pete Malinowski, I mean, uh, Scott Walker Guitars, I've got a lot of friends that make guitars. Doug Cower, who we'll get to in a second, so I'm mm. segueing into something else here. I love Doug. Um, we are all small people. Chris Benson, Benson Amps, Milkman, um, you know, all the small pedal makers, Creepy Fingers. Um, we tend to be more artists than businessmen because we, or business people, because we're trying to, we're fixated on making something perfect rather than fixated on making something that's going to make us the most money. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference in how those people operate and the people that are doing it because it's their passion. They're the ones that are really driving what's going on in the industry. Oh, and they're also the ones that are usually the funnest people to hang out with. If you go to NAM and you get invited to the Gibson corporate party, it's really kind of boring. It's a buffet. They bring people out that play that you can't talk to that sounds sterile. It's, it's really, you know, a lot of handshaking of people in suits. You know, you go to the Earthquaker party and, you know, people are dancing on the tables, rolling around the floor, you know, trashing the bowling alley, having cake thrown at each other because it's a great time. Not in a bad way of throwing cake, but an enjoyable way of throwing cake. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, these are the guys that, that we love being there. We love each other. We love doing things for each other. I love throwing we take cake. Care of, oh yeah, throwing cake throw is cake great. People need, <laughs> people need to throw more cake in this world. You know, and so, you know, to segue into this Doug Cower thing, uh, I've known Doug Cower for uh, 15 some odd years now. Uh, he's another one of these people that is a great human being. Uh, I love what he does. I have a bunch of his guitars. He has a bunch of my amps. Uh, I would hang out with him even if he didn't make guitars, um, which means a lot in this industry. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's a great dude. Uh, I, he re I really he want really to get him on the show sometime because he's just a rad guy. I mean, I've got his number. He's 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 not hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that after. <laughs> and, and so he's uh, I can give out Doug's personal number right now. <laughs> uh, so something Doug does is when he feels very passionately about things, he does things to raise money for good causes. Uh, when they did, uh, he did some Corona relief fundraising, and he he raised you know. Uh, Something like fifty thousand dollars. Holy smokes! You know, not he, he's not raising like fifty bucks. I mean, he's doing some serious. Yeah, I mean, in my serious, he's doing it a thousand, two thousand at a time, taking deposits on custom guitars, which is crazy. 
because for every, then for every dollar he raises, he's also raising himself a tremendous amount of work. Yes, he is. And that's yeah. all that he's putting out there out of his own pocket and his own time. And yeah. he's having to pay his employees to do it. Yeah. And I mean, and he dug is a hands-on guy. He does it all as, as well, but I mean, he still has, you know, he's got a couple of employees and you know, all that. So, uh, as uh, some people know right now, uh, Russia invaded, well, sorry, Vladimir Putin had his troops invade the Ukraine, yeah. however you politely say it. Uh, and so Doug's doing a fundraiser to raise some I money for the Ukrainian people. I think the polite way to say it is a <laughs> decided to shove his Yes. Onto undeserving people. I'm sorry, that's a lot of beeps there for you, Casper. <laughs> I, so I figured I'm, I had gotten I'm gonna, away with one F bomb. I'm going to go out on a tiny there. limb and just say, I don't want to get really political. I don't disagree no. with what, <laughs> no, a lot no, of what you're no, saying, he, he, but like, I don't want to go down that road. Let's keep it. I don't think we're getting political. I think we're just uh, taking a pretty anti war stance, but it, I, I stand true on anti war. This is not political in the sense of it's not our country at war. No, for sure. It's not our political system that's at war. It's not, we're not the ones defending this or fighting this. The best that we can do is people are dying and they're losing their houses. And that's not okay, regardless of whether it's in Indianapolis, Indiana, or in Ukraine, or Syria, or China, or anywhere. It's, there are human beings that are not fighters that are homeless foodless and dying. Yeah. That's if, if somebody wants to make that political, send them my way. I'll yell at them until I'm blue in the face. If I have to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I purposely try not to put anything political or religious or anti-political or anti-religious on any of my social media as it's not what most people are looking for. And the people that are looking for just want to fight. Yeah. Yeah. So doing good things for good people as much as you know is what we're trying to do here so doug's doing another raffle and he's doing he has he's already doing uh five custom guitars that i think are already all claimed uh he's going to be doing a raffle that's coming up i think the tickets are going to start being available either sunday or monday uh and then i think they'll be available for a while and then there'll be a drawing uh and he's already raised fourteen thousand dollars and we haven't even sold a ticket yet holy so, you know, so I have built um, part of the problem with what's happening in Russia that is uh, affecting everybody that is in the tube amplifier business is most of the best sounding currently made tubes all come from Russia. Mm. Yeah, I think the China, so, Chinese have two factories, but one burnt down a couple of years ago and it's still not rebuilt. Well, so, so I have an amplifier called the CUDA that uses a KT-66. Right now, the only true KT-66 that's made is made in the Gold Lion factory in Russia. It was designed by Aspen Pittman, who's dead, and is built in a factory in Russia that cannot ship tubes out anymore. We do have a supply of them. We're not out. If this war or invasion or whatever you want to call it lasts 10 or 20 years, I won't have any tubes. The other companies that make KT-66s are 6550s in a different bottle. They're not the same tube. It doesn't sound the same. And the KT-66 is one of the most phenomenal tubes ever made. And the Gold Lion reissue is the only one that does it justice. And in blind tests, years ago, we had two, a set of two CUDAs that were blueprinted. One had vintage tubes and one had the Gold Lions. And that was the only differences. And 90% of the people all chose the Gold Lions. And the people that chose the vintage tubes liked them because they sounded worse. 
<laughs> so uh, they didn't say that it was worse, but they said they wanted it less fidelity. They wanted it to be squishier. They wanted it to be browner. It was, you know, but that's basically what it was. Okay. Yeah. So I had designed one of our, my scamp amplifiers. It was, I put some KT6s in one as a, as a uh, experiment and really liked it. Started designing the amplifier around that with the invasion. And I, I might have a possibility of not being able to get these tubes. I had to redirect what I was doing. So I switched over to my another favorite tube, which is a 7591, which is almost like an Americanized, sonically version, an Americanized version of KT66. They're phenomenal tubes. They're great. Uh, they are made, JJ makes them in the, in the Czech Republic or well, Yugoslavia, wherever they are. There's some Chinese ones that are okay. Uh, they are available tubes. So the amplifier prototype got converted over to those. Uh, and then when I found out that what Doug was doing, uh, the prototype is it's done. It's, it, it exists. Uh, we're waiting for some chassis. It'll be about Gorgeous two months before the wreck comes out. So I'm painted the uh, chassis, the colors of the Ukrainian flag, and it is going to the raffle with Doug Cower. So the tickets are going to be 20 bucks a pop. So someone's going to own this amplifier for $20. Which is so awesome. Yeah. I mean, I would think it was so awesome if I weren't entering. And I think it's awesome for all sorts of just humanitarian and moral reasons. It's just on top of the fact that it's a cool amp and, you know, we're big fans of you. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. I, I think that, that you guys understand it. I mean, there's always a time where human beings need help from each other. And that's something I think is a problem of this world is that it's hard for us to ask for help. And it's hard for a lot of people to give help blindly. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got somebody sitting right in front of them and they're bleeding, it's easy to you know, reach over and put a Band-Aid on them. But knowing that somebody halfway across the world is bleeding, it's I can just change a channel. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if mo, you know everybody's really great at uh, extending their empathy or their understanding um, to people they've never met. They can't see. I think a lot of people can put empathy and understanding in, in easier context when it's close friends and family. Uh, beyond beyond that line, it's it's hard for some folks, and so it, anyway. it's it's very it's very hard for folks. Uh, there's another thing that I'm doing uh, that is going to be. Uh, probably another month or two out. Uh, my cousin's son uh, committed suicide a number of years ago. And so my cousin has started a foundation uh, out of Arizona uh, about, it's not just suicide prevention, but it's, it's also about communication and it's about getting uh, people to not be silent about their problems. Um, and uh, also to use art to help kind of get involved. Also, there's a lot more to it than I'm, I'm really glazing over exactly what it's doing. Uh, there's another amplifier. There's a there's a custom neutron that's in uh, Evanston, Illinois, right now at Eric Sorensen's place, who is a painter, uh, and he is doing a complete watercolored uh, piece of art neutron that will be going up to auction off to help uh, this. Uh, Suicide Prevention Society out of Arizona. Oh, you know, it, 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 it's important to do these things and to give back. And it's also, uh, Eric Sorensen happens to be married to a different cousin of mine. So he is my cousin-in-law, but he's also an awesome person. He's a great guitar player and he does phenomenal art, you know, and, and it's going to be, uh, every once in a while you get a glimpse of like a piece of watercolor, like just a little snippet of a corner. That's what Eric sends me. I have no idea what it's going to look like. <laughs> Uh, which I really enjoy. I, I enjoy, 
I enjoy giving people free reign to do what they do best. So something that's happened with Doug Cower and I and a, a number of other people, all the people I've listed off with guitars and, and Sal Cole and, and all these people, we've done trades back and forth. And when I see somebody that, that makes something that I like, if I know that, you know, if I know that you make guitars, you're talking about your, your, uh, what, Kronbauer, uh, yeah. you, you know, imagine just handing him, you know, $10,000 and saying, build me a guitar. And he goes, well, what do you want? And you go, I don't want to know anything about it. I just want you to build me a guitar because I trust what you do. Mm. That's how I like to do things. I know that Eric is a phenomenal painter. I know that he, what he will come up with will be mind-boggling. You're going to look at it. You're not going to believe it's watercolor for one. You're not going to understand how in the world he does what he does. And it's, you just go, holy uh, crap, this is just amazing at what he does. You know, and I've done that with a lot of guitars that I've had friends of mine build for me because I, don't, I, I love what they do already. I don't want to go, you know, hey, Saul, uh, you know, I, I know you make your wonderful guitars, but could you make me a Telecaster? Because he doesn't make Telecasters. I don't want to dictate it to him. Yeah. He's the artist. I want the artist to create their best thing. Well, I, I've, and I've never been disappointed. In I've that. certainly famously told Casper uh, on air a few times that my one regret with uh, doing my custom Kronbauer is that I was a little too, I want this and I want this. And uh, what I should have done is just go, whatever, dude, I, here's what I need to, to do what I do. Otherwise go carte blanche, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And just right. let Trevor pick the woods and let him do whatever the heck he wanted to do. And, and he probably would have had a lot of fun with it. He, I mean, he's had a lot of fun with my build anyway. I, well, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that you should regret um, the choices or Maybe being regret is no, the wrong word, yeah, but, but or being as involved as you were, I think, dude, you made some phenomenal choices and some great stylized, like um, artistic elements of that guitar are are very you that yeah, Trevor I, would not have done. No, I, I I'm mean, not like sure. as far as like I chose rosewood for the sides and back and spruce for the top. What I really should have just done is is just let him kind of yeah, whatever you want to do, man. The, the, the other elements, the artistic things, the little planets on the back and the, you know, Milky Way uh, going down the fretboard, I could have still done that. And that would have been, I think Trevor really liked doing that stuff. Yeah. So it was, but it was like, now that I think about it, it's like, well, why did I have to have a, a spruce top and rosewood sides and back? Because that's what I was used to hearing from my acoustic that went missing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. But, but that's, a, but that, but that's okay because that's a feeling a niche that you need. So me saying all this, you have to understand, like, I, I mean, I'm staring at six Telecasters. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. So it, it, these aren't, I'm not, I'm not getting these other guitars as filling a need of what I need. I, I've got, you know, I have all the basics. I have a Les Paul. I've got you know, a couple of them. You know, I've got Strats. I've got, I've got pretty much covering most of the basics. So anything else I'm going to get is going to be extra. If I didn't have a flat top acoustic and you said, hey, what do you want? I, I mean, I know the guitar I'm going to describe in my head and it already exists. So I'm not going to give somebody a freedom of like, I need an acoustic and I want you to make whatever you feel like. I would first go, yeah, yeah, yeah give me that, um, you know, uh, J200 first and then you can build whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, so, I, so you, so, should, uh, you, 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 you should dictate some of things, especially to fill a niche of what you want. Yeah, that's true. And this was, this was a replacement for a touring axe and stuff. So I did have certain needs out of it, but right. um, when but, it comes but to, so it, you know, 
if, uh, if you're going to go go to an artist or something and you have the ability, let them build you some. Yeah. Next time. I'm just trying to think about it now. Like, I know that I got into the details a little bit with Dan at Moore when I was having my offset commissioned, but I'm looking at it now, like in my mind's eye going, it really all I did was pick the tone woods and a, and a two by four headstock. And that's it. Everything nice. else is, you don't know what you're getting for pickups. Well, I got, I'm getting P nineties, <laughs> but like that's, that's the, that's the more way. Yeah. So it's, it's P nineties and a jazz bridge and trem. With right. I think two knobs, that's <laughs> correct. Okay, yeah, and a two yeah. knobs and a switch. Because uh, you know, to bring up a builder that that you've mentioned a couple times already, Adam, if I were uh, in a position where I could get myself a Cardinal guitar right now, which uh, God, I hope Sam someday because I love Sam's work so much. I don't think I'd be too fussy. It just like, <laughs> how much money do I need to send you for you to send me a thing? Yeah, <laughs> and so, just uh, let him the send first- you something. My first Cardinal that I have, I met Sam at the Austin Amp Expo a long time ago, uh, over 10 years ago. Uh, When I got my first Cardinal, it is not like what a lot of his other stuff. It's probably the the plainest looking Cardinal that exists. And he went free reign and he went and was trying to prove a point that buying expensive tone woods for a solid body guitar isn't as important as buying wood that sounds good. Yeah. So just because it's expensive doesn't mean it sounds good. Yep. So he went to Home Depot <laughs> and took wood and dropped the wood on the floor of Home Depot till he found ones that he saw, thought sounded good and he made a guitar out of this. <laughs> That's amazing. That is great. So is it just pine then basically or? It's fur. And it is, and it's got a laminate. It's got a a, a, a white linoleum laminate over the top. <laughs> I, like if if you saw it, you'd be like, "What in the world?" It is, and it's. But it's got a. It's a. a I think the the neck is made of pecan, uh, single P ninety. Uh, yeah, it's just. Dude, it's all these these things of like. Really, please send a picture but, of this thing. I've, oh, I'm I'm dying to absolutely. see this linoleum topped guitar. I but but it, but it's. It sounds phenomenal. And you go, yeah, uh-huh, you were right. We're all wrong. <laughs> so, oh you know, sometimes, sometimes saying a fancy word for wood doesn't always mean it's a good piece of wood. You, there are cheap pieces of wood that sound good that you wouldn't think of using for a guitar. That's yeah, all. I, can talk, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times people make guitars out of certain pieces of wood just because the figuring is insane in them. And yep. uh, then you end up with, like, uh, I've held so many figured pieces of wood. I swear to Bacoima, they are heavier. The more figured it is, the heavier it is, or more likely to be heavier at least. Well, so part of what happened over time is that they had to, so the way that they used to get the wood and they would air dry it for a decade before they would use it, you know, when we talk about 70s guitars really sucking for pretty much everybody, it was because they couldn't get the wood fast enough. So they were cutting them down. They were, you know, baking them in ovens. They were very wet. They were very heavy. It's still a problem to this day because trying to, to force uh, flamed maple, for instance, you're really kind of trying to introduce a genetic defect that you can make look good. And there's an art to grow in those trees, but it's a limited supply. And because they're going through them so fast, they tend to be wetter wood and it weighs more. Simple as that. Yeah. 
you know, because I, I've got a, a, a 1928 L5 sitting over here, and it is, you know, it seems like it's like three pounds. I mean, it weighs almost nothing, and it's lively and phenomenal, but it's not heavy. See, so, I, I thought some of that was, uh, like, in certain types of highly figured woods, like, you know, really figured ash or really figured maple, um, it's really dense. It is. It is also very dense. As as a result of the figuring, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, crazy. I mean, that's why my base weighs so much. Your base weighs a lot. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> when I was watching you put it on the rack over there, leaning over off the bit off the table, leaning, I'm like, dude, don't put your back out. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> it yeah, it was a lot. It's a lot of weight in that thing. Yeah, yeah. Someday when I rip that base off, I'm gonna have it done uh, semi hollow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, oh, whew. yeah, it's good though. It's good. She's she's beastly. But I I I do have a love for you know. Speaking of the or, or <laughs> almost mortal nemesis, uh, I do have a love for seventies Gibson. So a big part of that that seventies Gibson thing yeah. is is the, how stonkingly heavy they are. Yeah. So sometimes super heavy guitars kind of feel like yeah. I've- yeah, I've I've had I don't I've had I've had at least twenty five less balls over the years, uh, I'd, not all at once, but uh, you know the one I've had for the last like fifteen years is a seventy two, but it weighs a little over nine pounds, which is really lightweight for a seventies less yeah, ball. That's pretty good. Yeah, usually they're tipping yeah. the ten and a half, eleven pound area. I had one that was twelve, and it was and it had and it had a Kaler on it too, which was <laughs> awful. <laughs> Solid brass Kaler added like another pound and a half on oh top of goodness. it. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite Whoever guitars I've ever played was a, a deluxe with a Kaler on it. I, I, I don't know what that is. What's a Kaler? It's a it's a, like a Floyd Rose competitor. Oh, oh. double locking trim system. I mean, yep, it's exactly what it is. Most people prefer Floyd's. By a wide degree, people prefer Floyd. I prefer neither. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, you know, if you're one of those. Double locking trim types, I guess I should say, which I am not. So, I but as far as trims go, I thought the Kaler was pretty smooth and. and I think the Kaler, yeah, and uh, there's another one too. Uh, to Wilkinson, they make yeah. a locking Kaler. I don't yeah, know I if they make a double locking. I've played a lot of Wilkinson like Strat style trims. I'm yeah, sure they make a locking. There's there. somebody else that also makes one. I'm not, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. I'll remember it in about 20 minutes. But yeah, you know, I, the thing about the the Floyd Rose is there's basically like two pivot points, and if you install it wrong, it will always be forever uh, boogered. Uh, the Kaler is a little bit easier to install and have it be straight or adjustable. That's all. It's easier for an amateur to put in. <laughs> They're kind of like a brick. I'm just looking at them. They're big. Yeah, Kalers. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a solid brass pound and a half. Like I said, it, it was just like awful. Yeah, there's there's no. I mean, I've yet to see a double locking trim system that didn't. Uh, I don't. I don't think they are attractive looking. Not a single one of them, to my eyes, my aesthetic. You know, I, but uh, I, I am totally the vintage looks over modern looks guy. Ninety nine percent of the time, I love a lot of modern guitars, but I, I do too. I, to me, a Floyd looks very dated. <laughs> it, it looks like a. A dive bombing hairband. 
Oh, always. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody gets a Floyd to just do gentle tremolo. <laughs> Come on. Chances, do these, I think that's going to be my next band. I'm going to get, I'm going to get like a, a, an old Jackson with a Floyd on it and just play light jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at these and some, like you can clip these into like a Gibson stop tail. Yeah. Some of the new ones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They yeah. The old ones, you're all, all the old ones you had to route out a trough. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not which, terrible. Which, which is also surprising because of how many less poles were routed and you don't see them. Uh, I think at these, this point, people are ashamed to bring them out of their basements. <laughs> my, my point is, is people are probably fixing them, refinishing them, and not telling people. Yeah, that could be, oh, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah so. After you've owned your Les Paul for about five years, you start to see the witness lines in the paint. Yep. That's a fun revelation. <laughs> my guitar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wow. Man, we always cover a lot of ground with you, Adam, and I always feel like I I only got about 5% of what I wanted to out of you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I always have a great time doing this. We should do it more often than every two years. I agree. Absolutely. In fact, I was just about to say, we really should do the story time with Adam segment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll just call you up once a month and record a little, a little <laughs> blurb. anecdote from you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, call, do it. Let's let, let's plan on doing that. Give me five minutes or, or five to ten minutes, and we'll do that. Call me once a month, and we'll, we'll have a. You know, I'm so down. I love it. I'll occasionally have special guests that might be around on a Saturday, and all right, you're over here. You're on. Great. <laughs> I I'm I'm glad. I, you know, and speaking of special guests, last time we talked to you, we 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 talked about Andrew McKaig, and uh, of course, I immediately freaked out and had to have him on the show, and we did. And we had and, a great uh, time. What a great time we had. Yeah. <laughs> he, he told me I listened to it. It was, I don't usually listen to podcasts and his is one of the few that I did. That's excellent. Yeah. That's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, usually when I'm doing stuff in the shop, I have some kind something playing in the background, Yeah, but I can't have something I pay too much attention to. Right. Cause I have to get up and go and my, my shop is almost 4,000 square feet. So if I've got my iPad playing a video, and I come back, and I, I've just missed 10 minutes of whatever the story was. I'm like, what the heck was he talking about? Fair yeah. enough. You know what's funny? Most of our, I, 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 don't, well, I don't know about most of our listeners, but our most active listeners are all builders. builders. Yep. Yeah. Most, most of them are pedal builders, so they're not leaving a desk. Yep. Right. But, <laughs> I, I mean, I could check today, but I, but I am certain that there are 105 listens in Denmark. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> all right for the danish people i love you thank you very much dan, um, well it's one in particular we know it's dan presenter of more guitars lives in denmark <laughs> he told my great great uncle was a writer from denmark and he was as a whole big aside but i'll give you the fast story there's a guy named oxel sandmos he was a writer uh in the 1920s 30s 40s 50s uh he lived in this little town called Nykoping on the isle of morse in denmark he wrote a book called The Fugitive Crosses His Tracks. And in the book, he listed the 10 rules of town life and how Danish people oppress them. Then he finished off the rest of the book by listing people off by name and address and what was wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is ruthless. <laughs> I love this guy. Blood relative. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh man! <laughs> well, Dan's Dan's Danish by way of uh, English birth. He, he by he marriage. There. Yeah. 
They still um, teach him to teach about Oxel in the schools, and they still burn his stuff in effigy once a year. <laughs> yeah, he's been dead for sixty years, and they still burn it. That's amazing. Yeah, Dan. Dan's a pretty loyal listener. He's he's um, he's chewed me out for forgetting the uh, what's going on this week yep. section. Yeah, and he every once in a while sends us a note that he wants the show to be louder so he can hear it over his power equipment better. Yep. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Dan still said he was going to have a picture, some pictures of my guitar for me by the end of the week, and it's now Saturday. Well, that's good. You're going to get your guitar in a couple of weeks. A couple so. of weeks, man. I know. He's like, yeah, you'll have something nice to look at by the end of the week. <laughs> Nothing. I just I send him last night. I'm like, dude, I'm going to have a stroke. The suspense is killing me here. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, Adam, okay, we will take you up on the story time with Adam thing. Heck yeah. Uh, that sounds we can, amazing. We can make that fly. So I, I'm already in love with this. <laughs> and uh, You just let me know when, and we'll, we'll, we'll play it off the cuff, and it'll be fun. Yeah, Totally. Oh, I'm so down for this. Um, And uh, I don't think we – or maybe we, we probably did this last time. I don't remember. We were, we're doing it. We do it now. But uh, where do people best find you, sir? Uh, my OnlyFans is... Oh. <laughs> Hold on. This is a whole new podcast episode right here. Uh, it's SatelliteAmps.com, Instagram SatelliteAmps, Facebook SatelliteAmps, um, 1322 Gertrude Street, San Diego, California, 92116. Feel free to send whatever you want to. Especially nudes. Nudes, yeah. <laughs> whatever. It's uh, Sadly, it's happened before. I had a long time ago, somebody sent me... Uh, an email with some shots of his girlfriend as a thank you. I was like, Ooh, that's, Oof. that's a little, cringy. that's a little cringy, but thanks. That's weird. Uh, that's uh, really yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah. It went straight to the trash and I, I didn't bother following up anything. There. It, was, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was very awkward. We'll see how cat feels about that proposal later. You sh- yes. Yeah. You that, know what? That might be the straw. That are you, the are back. you seeking divorces? <laughs> <laughs> like? He's a really nice guy. I just want to thank him. Uh, <laughs> Where are you going with that packed suitcase? <laughs> Takes all types in this world. Yeah, <laughs> uh, dude, uh, so stoked having you back. Thanks for filling in last minute. No um, problem. It, uh, well, I hope you guys have a have a have a wonderful uh, afternoon or evening or whatever it is wherever you people are in this world. And uh, we're in the same. Go buy a ticket from Doug Cower. Yes, go to, go do go check out the raffle on oh, Cower yeah. Guitars. When are those tickets um, going live? They'll be. They sh- as I believe episode, either Sunday or Monday. As of this episode airing, they'll be, they'll be out open. for a day or so. So perfect. Go yep. to Cower Guitars perfect. on their Instagram. Figure, find the details. Um, check out Adam on Instagram as well. See the amp. It's pretty rad. He you sent me a picture of it before you posted it. And uh, I was I was already pretty in love with it, <laughs> so I'll be I'll be entering the uh, draw as well. Um, you know what I heard? Mm. Sorry, just one more thing on yeah, the, yeah. the support the Ukraine thing. Um, now it, it's obviously it's terrible. I learned from someone at work. I was because we're doing a, a similar thing, raising funds at the till type of thing. But a lady had said to me, no, no, I'm, I'm doing something different. And I said, oh, okay, great. And she's, so then she elaborated on it. And what she'd done is gone on to Airbnb and people host that host Airbnbs in the Ukraine. They're booking the room and then just calling yeah. and canceling and saying, keep the money. Yeah. Yep. Do your research first, though. Yeah, yeah, of course. Some of them- of course. You, you want to know you're doing it right. But, but I thought that was such a yes. brilliant way to use that system. Yeah. 
There's another one that, that, that uh, uh, got shared today by our buddy John at Rare Buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pedal brand called Analog Music Company. It's a one-man operation, like a lot of the small builders we yep. talked to are. He's in the Ukraine. That's where he's from. He's still selling pedals Holy. and building. And, uh, you know, he's still shipping them out. And uh, he's given the money to help his his fellow countrymen. So go to analog, at Analog Music Company on Instagram, buy a pedal. That's direct money going to a Ukrainian to help Ukrainians. Um, I'll be sharing this on our Instagram. Yep. Uh, probably a couple times. Analog Music Company. At least. There it is. To make sure it's out there. Um, I was planning on sharing it today. I haven't yet, but I was waiting for more this afternoon to do so, which it is. So, um, yeah. Check, which, check if out. you put this out in two days and share it on that day, then you're putting it out today. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll put it out then, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, and anyway, thanks, Adam. Um, yep. You're just the best, dude. And um, I'm thanks. looking forward to story time with Adam. Well, I'm me too. So we'll make it happen and uh, have a lovely evening. I'll talk to yeah. you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye everyone.